Right at the Fork is proud to present this episode of the Joy of Drinking podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Joy of Drinking podcast. Can you believe it? It is October 2021. I know I say this every month, like I just cannot believe how we're streaming through this year. I guess it's a good thing. I think we're all ready for 2022, hoping to you know be out in person without masks someday. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm so excited to be at the Aimshire Distilling Company today in Northeast Portland. And I'm joined by the owners, Steve and Christine Hopkins. And I'm so excited to be here. I really have not had Aimshire on my radar. I apologize to you both, but I'm so excited. The space is really gorgeous. And so we're going to sit here for a while and talk with Steve and Christine about how they came up with the concept and talk about how you as guests, customers can come in and enjoy their beverages and take them home. So Christine, let's start with you. So please tell us about how you came up with this idea of having a distillery. Well, we kind of started about six years ago, and we love distilleries and wineries and breweries, Um, but our son was born at that time, and I noticed that at distilleries, we were no longer able to bring a minor, and as a new parent, it felt like I was now forced to choose between spending time with my newborn and doing something that I loved with my family. And that was very frustrating because at wineries, you can bring minors and breweries, you can bring minors. So it really felt like as a mom, I was really being isolated and I didn't like that. And so we wanted to create a distillery where you could bring minors, but that wasn't like a playground sort of thing where it wasn't like if you don't have a minor, you still fit in. So that's how we created uh, intro distilling so that not just it could be for families, but not just for families. Right. Um, so that was really important to us. And we try to carry that through with our branding. That's great. And so for those that are listening, the branding is gorgeous, has a very art deco feel. And my understanding is Aimshire is a Gaelic word. Is that right? Yeah, it's a Gaelic word. It means weather, season, and time. Uh, So we're sort of going for that feeling of the seasonality of the botanicals, the the time of aging for whiskey. Um, And that word we... You know, we were challenged when we first got into this, we were challenged to write, like, what is our view of things? What do we want out of this? And it's a very difficult thing to write. And um, I was sort of searching around for a word that was like the terroir for wine. And but we're neither French nor are we going to make wine. So that (laughs) word didn't really fit. I sort of found this this word. And then someone was like, you should just name the company that. And we had no other options. So we're like, cool. And like, it sounds weird, but it's one thing I didn't quite think of at the time that's been awesome is that people ask us about the name and it automatically, we just launch into like what our, what our view and what our, what our feelings are distilling and what we want out of it. So it's a great segue. Um, Oh, that's good. So you get to talk about your whole ethos yeah, and then enjoy a drink with people. And yeah, it's, it's actually (laughs) makes this really nice conversation when they just ask like, what is this weird word? 
<laughs> and so, listeners, the spelling of this is A I M S I R. So, when you're looking for them, make sure that you have the spelling right. And again, it's a pronounced Aimsure. And so, with this whole piece, I mean, how did you get into spirits? Did you have backgrounds in this already? Uh, we both were chemists. So, uh, I always say I've distilled a lot of stuff you'd never want to drink before. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's basically just like a an old chemistry cleaning technique that's been used for centuries. Um, so, the equipment side of things I was very comfortable with. Um, but the art side of it, we really had to learn. Um, yeah. And we've... Uh, since hired a professional distiller because it turns out I wasn't that good at it. Um, and so... Um, and so yeah, what did that fun. learning curve look like for you to realize like, oh, we should hire someone? <laughs> um, it was a lot. Like in the be- in the very beginning, it was like there was some fear of like running this, this giant piece of equipment. Um, but the, it's actually cool. The equipment is built out in Gresham, um, Bridgetown Brew Systems. And he was... A, Lauren's a fantastic guy and he actually came out and helped me like get it all going the first time. And like, so that fear faded away. So then it was just a lot of like, how do I make this happen? And it was more just like a business thing that we just, we were so busy with so many other little pieces of the business that like we were constantly making choices to get through the day at the expense of what, what do we need five years from now? Like, Right, yeah, we were suffering to make strategic decisions. Yeah. And my background uh, is supply chain. And so, and it's also something I'm passionate about, but I was like, hey, like we're not able to make these decisions that are impacting us long term because we're too busy fighting daily fires. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't making sense for us. And eventually, like, you know, we, we were just so far behind on products that we had promised ourselves that we would get out. And so we really needed more help. And, you know, it was only two of us. So we know we needed to expand and we're like, well, we just need to expand now. Wow. Next month. That's Um, quite a leap to make that big decision. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, but when you realize that you're missing milestones and those milestones have a cost associated with it, it became quite easy. Yeah. And so, in choosing this location northeast, did that come naturally, or were you looking around for a long time for a, a place that was the right fit? Steve's uh, laughing. Yeah, we, Walk us through it. <laughs> we spent yeah. years looking for a place. Like it was hard. Maybe to, four years. Yeah, or probably so. four years. Yeah. Like, and our our architect was amazing um, and stuck with us the whole time. Like never, never like really like treated us like we were fake or something. Like he was just there every time. Every place we looked at that we didn't want, he's like, cool, let's just go on to the next place. And then... And he doesn't charge by the minute. So yeah. it's not like, <laughs> right. he's like, I can see the world. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he like, he was one of the first people that really believed that we would actually like pull it off in the end. Um, but yeah, we looked and there, you know, there's places that are very industrial, we wanted something more customer facing. Yeah. Um, and it really did affect everything down to the size of the still we could pit because we wanted to, this location came up um, and we really wanted to fit in here. And so we, we purposely had to make our production area much smaller because we wanted that public facing side of it. That was very important to us to give the customer this, this great experience when they were there. And that was, that came down to, sacrificing some production area to make more customer area. 
Right. And so the customer piece. So who do you have an ideal customer in mind? Question. Um, So, yes, like someone who likes to explore, um, to try new flavors, who wants to come with us on this ride down, um, you know, sometimes quite frankly, a nerdy hole of like bourbon or something like some of my favorite times here, we, we do a, um, a proofing series here where, um, one of my good friends wanted a cast strength bourbon. And I was like, well, what the hell's the point of owning a distillery if you can't get your friends what they want? <laughs> and so we bottled a bunch of cast strength and promptly no one else wanted it. So like we were not selling it at all. Right. Um, we sold four <laughs> bottles to him and that was it. And so we started doing something in the, in the bar tasting room where we would just take the cast strength and we'd water it down from cast to 110 proof, 100, 90, 80, and you'd get a flight. And seeing people like interact with that has been fascinating. Like people don't really understand like how the flavor changes when you add more water and like allowing them the freedom to like find their favorite proof point. Yeah, it was really wonderful. And also like it helps people, like including myself, where I'm like, oh, I don't like bourbon at all. So you disregard the entire like category of spirits when really like I've had a bourbon with a mash bill that I didn't like. And there are other mash bills out there. Or I've had one that was at too high of a proof. And I didn't know that there are other proof points out there. So there's no harm or like there's by being able to do this, we're able to help people understand like what their ideal proof point is or what their mash bill preference is. And people don't, not everyone knows that there are these choices out there. And now like I know I don't dislike all bourbons. I just have a preference for certain bourbons. So being able to help the consumer educate themselves so then they can go to a liquor store and find like, okay, maybe they don't like nature bourbon, but they like this other style of bourbon or they like this other proof point. Like, we just had a woman in that she found out she liked an 80 proof bourbon. And so now she knows that she can go find an 80 proof bourbon. And just because your proof point is lower doesn't mean you're less of a bourbon drinker. Yeah. So, so that was really nice to be approachable and kind of help educate people that are interested in that. Right. Yeah. Like she literally asked me like, she's like, is it okay if I add water? I'm like, yeah, like you, you add whatever you want. <laughs> but it's like, your drink. <laughs> yeah. There's like, so many like snotty people about it like that's that's not what we want we want we want to appeal to people that just want to find what they like right so it sounds like part of this is the education piece Mm -hmm. for those people who are curious right and who are willing to taste ask questions and you want to nerd out with them right and help them discover open up their world yeah. To different kinds of types of spirits that they may have said, oh, no, I know I don't like that. It's like, well, maybe give it another go, right? <laughs> or just, like, question, like, do you think that you hate all of these things? Or do you think, like, are you intrigued enough to try something new? Right. So that kind of stuff is really fun. And then the other series we do is um, a barrel series. And that's also fun because, like, the first four barrels we purchased, they all the barrels deviated from each other, even though they had the same mash bill, they had the same time in the barrel. So from my perspective as like a new consumer of bourbon, I would have thought like, 
hey, all of these girls should be 100% the same. Mm -hmm. When really, like, they had a lot of deviation. Like, so we had, we offered them in a flight, and people that liked, preferred rye bourbons always preferred barrel number two. And people that preferred, like, a high weeded bourbon, they preferred barrel number four. So even though they had the same mash bill, they end the same time in barrel, like there are these other flavors that are imparted. And that was really fun, both as like an owner and, you know, someone pouring a drink to watch and see that. And also as a consumer to understand that even though you have a similar mash bill, you can still have all these variations. Right. Then you can talk about like the wood or like the storage, or, you know, like you can just kind of hypothesize. And so Steve and I really like going into that, like deep dive and kind of nerding out with people that enjoy that because <laughs> We, we just like weird things. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've talked about the bourbon a bit, but what is the lineup so far? Because I've been thinking of you. So I've been following you now for a little while. Again, it's my first time in, but I think, uh, I'm sure gin is what comes to mind for me, but maybe that's because I like yeah, gin that, a lot. <laughs> that's our flagship okay. product. And that was the first one we brought out was our gin. And that was, I mean, that was a really fun path with that. Like, yeah. I, I was the one that first wanted to get into this. Um, Christine runs it, but yeah. I was sort of the, mm-hmm. it was kind of my start. And she challenged me to go visit 10 different distillers and talk to them. If I wasn't scared off at the end of that, we could actually continue. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I don't like risks. <laughs> right. So, like, this sounds like really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sure. Exactly. Right. So I was like, can you at least double check? Right. It's like, if we're going to dive into this, yeah. we need to be sure. Yeah. Right. I'm like, it's a lot cheaper just to buy other spirits <laughs> and just have your bar stocked at home. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. so gin was the first. Yeah. Like, yeah. one of the, the best advice I got, like, we got into it wanting to do bourbon. And uh, it was a distiller out in Maryland I met with. Um, and he's like, okay, what do you want to do? I told him bourbon. And I was like, yeah, but you know, you have to age it. So I need to come up with a clear spirit. He's like, I'm just going to stop right there. He's like, if you don't clearly care about your clear spirit, no one else is. So he's like, you need to drop that from your program. Just focus on what you care about. And I was like, that is excellent advice, but I'm going to go a different direction. And we went so far down the gin hole. It was (laughs) unbelievable. It was fun though. It was, we topped out at, I think, 45 bottles in the house. Wow. Okay. That's a collection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we traveled a lot. Yeah. That's pretty good. And we had Amy. No. No. Okay. Yes, we did. So we traveled a lot, and I had a a lot of family in Germany. So we that I'm very close with. So I would go over there, and every time we would go anywhere, we would just buy all the gin. Right. And so every time we would come home, like our suitcases would have like five or six bottles of gin. So we had gin from all over. Yeah, and like so that was really fun. Family, friends traveling, we'd, be, we'd like look up what local spirits they have. We're like, hey, can you get us a bottle of that and that? Yeah. Oh, so fun. Just kinda, it was fun. We wanted to taste everything. And like, you, you, when you do that, you quickly fall in love with just gin as a product because the diversity of flavor is is phenomenal. Yes. Like, I, even before I started distilling, I was like, I will challenge anyone that I can find a gin you'll like because yeah. it's mm-hmm. such a wide flavor profile. Agreed. Um, and we just fell in love with it. And we started doing blind tastings with friends. So, it was so much fun. Like, I would recommend that to anyone. Like, oh, yeah. grab three bottles or something and just do a tasting party. 
Yes. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah, and so we would just and we just sat there and listened to them. We'd be like they didn't know what they were drinking. Like I I knew because I set it up, but then we would just we just listen. Like we tried comment cards, but that was a waste yeah. of time. I mean, we just <laughs> because like when someone had to fill it out, they overthought it. But if you yeah. just listen to them having a conversation over an hour of tasting five to ten gins, you like hear what do people like? How does that mesh with what I like? You know, and like you sort of start to get a sense of where you want to place your flavor um, in the spectrum of gin, and that's how we developed our teal gin. And so when you were doing the tastings with friends and they're giving you their, their tasting notes, yeah. just by, you know, chatting yeah. with you about it. So then did that inform the decision on what your gin was oh, going to end yeah. up being? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We would like, we, I mean, we had our own opinions because we would, we would do it to each other at the start. Yeah. So we knew what we wanted. So we were sort of testing, are we oddballs or is this something that'll be more universally appealing? Yeah. And because the last thing we wanted to do is invest all this money into a product that only we drink. Yeah. Right. right? And <laughs> like, that's a way not yeah. to make a profit. Yeah. <laughs> and when you, you try 40 different gins, you see that there are clearly some that like are very unique and not very many people like. Mm-hmm. So, but if you like, if you always buy your favorite gin or you don't necessarily like try other things it's very hard to find those like really weird ones mm-hmm. and for us like you know it's expensive when you go and buy 40 bottles of gin but it's a lot cheaper than starting a new business right so like, <laughs> right. i was like let's invest now in yeah. these bottles and then if we don't want to spend 200 dollars on bottles then we probably don't want to start a new company right <laughs> you know? right so that was kind of like a nice way to say that right and so now what do you feel with your gin, what sets it apart from others? Uh, the, the high flavor, high floral nose. The, yeah. the nose is what's like so beautiful on that gin. Just as soon as you put the glass up to, you know, to take a sip, you just get hit with this. Um, and it's just this high, high flavor nose that just, you smell it and it just smells beautiful. And that just takes you in immediately before you can even take yeah. a sip. Yeah, Excellent. a rose. Um, effervescence and I really like it because I wanted a product that reminded us of the Pacific Northwest Mm -hmm. and I you know Portland is so uh, well known for our rose gardens right the rose city really important to me is like to kind of carry through like so Steve's Irish so we tried in the Irish deal with branding but I really wanted something to signify from Portland oh that's great so we bring in both of those elements and I also thought that those kind of reinforce the Irish branding right. because this the, the weather is so similar. So that that rose and then we have raspberry as well. And you know, Oregon has raspberries are so uh, prevalent here. Yeah. So that was also really important. Right, the berries, the Oregon yeah. berries. I've been here for almost 20 years and I'm still like, these berries, <laughs> yeah. they're incredible, right? Yeah. They just don't taste like this anywhere else. Every summer, <laughs> You know, just picking those fresh berries from Sabi Island is amazing. Exactly. And so we have just a few minutes left, but I want to make sure that we touch on the cold brew bourbon piece. And it does. It, this isn't a term I've heard in the past. So can you walk listeners through it a little bit? Yeah, it was. Uh, we, you know, we have. We're just starting out with limited resources, and we really were. We're trying to come up with how do we get a great new flavor with what we have on hand. And, have on hand is bourbon 
And um, so instead of proofing down with water, we proofed down with cold brew coffee. And it started out one night where I literally stopped at our favorite coffee shop, Gilder, um, <laughs> which is owned by Junior's Roasters Company, and just bought a like a drink, a cold brew coffee drink, and um, brought it here and like pulled some bourbon from the barrel, um, proofed it down to ninety proof, and tasted it, and was like, "This is amazing." Um, we tried some other experiments. Um, but ultimately, that just initial thing is what we did. And I, I brought it out because we have a bar and, um, you know, just handed it to a few customers. Like, hey, do you mind? Uh, just give it, hey, Here's a free drink. If all I ask is that you tell me what you think, honestly. Yeah, we put it in the tasting plate. Yeah. And it was like, people were like blown away. Right. So it was so well received. Oh, yeah. yeah. People were demanding so to buy it that night. And I was like, I don't have <laughs> We don't have OCC. Yeah. Like, like, we have, slow down. I don't have a label. Sure. Yeah. It was like, whoa. So we like quickly like, oh, yeah. we'd gotten ahead of ourselves. We like had to like call up Junior's Roasters who were like friends with the owners. And we're like, is this something you can supply to us? Yeah, like, right. We don't even yeah. know. And it turns out they have a huge wholesale business that they yeah. could yeah. easily supply what we needed, which was great. But we didn't know that when we first made it. <laughs> right. We're like, hey, Mike, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, We've got a wait list now of people that are yeah. clamoring for this and product. <laughs> oh, we had to get it through the federal government approval. Like we hadn't done any of that yet. And like that turned into like a five month ordeal. Mm-hmm. Like messing with bourbon is not something they really like. Um, <laughs> and so I never like, usually when you submit something, like you'll hear back in a few days, like within five minutes, our first proposal was rejected. Oh, <laughs> it was the quickest thing <laughs> okay. I'd ever gotten from the federal government. Right. Hard like, oh, okay. no. 10 reasons why like, Ooh, we have some work to do. Wow. Like, okay, rejection, but we're going to power through it. Yeah. yeah, but we finally, we got it passed. Um, so it's an official TTV federal government approved product. Yeah. That's great. This is so exciting. So I'm sorry that we're, we're out of time. We've just like blown through this already. And I want to make sure to thank Genesis from Little Green Pickle for connecting me with Steve and Christine today. This is really great to meet you. I'm so excited to taste the product, which we're going to do next here. Um, and so listeners, I hope this has given you kind of a feel, a taste for mm, what to expect when you come to the Aimshire Distilling Company. And can you tell us your hours? When should people come by to see you? So we are open Wednesday through Saturday from 4 to 10 p.m. And then we do special events so then we can open up for others. Fabulous. Well, it's so good to meet you both. I'm so excited for you. Love the small business, you know, supporting local is very important. So thanks listeners. And again, please give us a follow, give us feedback. If you have any, you can always go through the joy of drinking podcast on Instagram to give me feedback, or you can email me at JC plays with food, Christine and Steve. Thank you so much. This was really nice to meet you. The Joy of Drinking podcast is produced by Joy Church, executive produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson in association with Right at the Fork.